Dr. Paul Leslie Hour, helping people tell their stories. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Hello, and welcome to the Paul Leslie Hour. I'm honored that you're here. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Every now and then, someone was a guest on the Paul Leslie Hour that I was aware of my whole life. It was surreal to be invited to interview John Tesh. Tesh, as many of you know, is a celebrated pianist, composer, performer, radio and television personality, and author. Growing up, I was aware of him through the television show Entertainment Tonight. I remember watching that with my parents, and then I came to appreciate his music. Many of you are familiar with his hit radio and multi-platform program, Intelligence for Your Life. As a musician, John Tesh has sold more than 8 million records and performs both as a solo pianist and with a 12-piece big band and an 80-piece orchestra. This interview explores a number of topics, but it was in part to discuss his album Big Band, which I very much recommend. I've been listening to it lately, and I also have the DVD of the live concert Big Band. John Tesh performed and sang a number of classics from the Great American Songbook on this album, as well as several originals. As it turns out, today, the day I'm releasing this particular episode of the podcast, is John Tesh's birthday. He still looks as young as ever, and I hope you'll give this interview a listen, as well as some of his great albums. Now, one thing to keep in mind, this interview was recorded when I didn't have quite the microphone that I have today. And as always, the Paul Leslie Hour is made possible by listeners like you. I appreciate everyone who has contributed. You can do the same. Just go to thepaulleslie.com and click on support the show. I have lots of interviews and I hope to get all of them out and available on all platforms. John Tesh is right here on the Paul Leslie Hour. Please enjoy the interview and let me know what you think. It is my pleasure to welcome our special guest, John Tesh. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, thanks. You have this new album out, John Tesh, Big Band. Who is John Tesh? Oh, my Dad seemed very confused by that, too. He was always like, wow, you seem to be into everything. What's what's up with you? <laughs> what's up with you? But he was, he was like, well, this is a kid with horrible ADD. I grew up as a musician on Long Island and played jazz trumpet and a little dance band and wanted to be in a rock band my whole life and was, for most of my life, rock and jazz. And then sort of got sidetracked in the television world, but... I really enjoy very much being on stage, uh, playing with a band, and so we do that. I mean, we, we reach about 200,000 people a year with our live show and, and love turning those shows into PBS specials. So I'm not sure if that tells you who I am, but I, I think I'm sort of a uh, – I love, I love communicating. That's why we have our radio show, and that's why we play so many concerts. A lot of the songs on this big band album – like Beyond the Sea, these are standards, classics from the American Songbook. What is it like to record songs that have been sung by so many singers throughout the years? We took each one of these songs out, you know, one at a time. When we were on tour for about two years ago, we started playing these songs, and 
we would just, you know, we'd mix this music in with our normal concert and just to, you know, test things out to see what songs people would like. And we'd have them vote on our Facebook page. And so the songs that are on the big band record are the ones that the audience voted for. We also did something that was, I learned from Sting back in the day when I, when I covered him for Entertainment Tonight where he used to hide a, a video camera on stage and he would point it at the audience during his show. And then at the end of the show, they would, on the tour bus, they would watch this video of just the audience. You'd hear his concert, but you'd watch the audience. And so I do that, and you can tell what people are reacting to. Maybe you, maybe we found a couple times we found that maybe we need to extend a, a, a song, move songs around in the, in the set, and things like that. So we we really did study this to figure out what are people's favorite songs. Combine that with what my favorite songs are. And then also, you know, there's so many arrangements out there. We didn't want to copy anybody's arrangement. So I hired these, this great team of arrangers who were able to, you know, find the right keys for me to sing in and also open up the songs in the middle. I mean, a song like Better Be Tonight on this album is a, is a classic example of that, where you're able to, um, you, you've got the song, but you're also able to, to ad-lib in the middle of it and have some fun. Could it be possible to pick a song from the album that you're the most proud of? Yeah, I would probably say it's it's better be tonight. That song, which was originally uh, on the Pink Panther movie, that song was probably the, the the most difficult to to play to record. But when you play it on stage, it's the one that that everybody re- reacts to the most because it's just so much fun, you know. And there's all kinds of things happening with the horn players. There's all kinds of choreography going on. It's just a, it's what you would certainly call a burning jazz tune. There's a lot of songs from the American Songbook on this album, but you also do Billy Joel's Goodnight My Angel, Lullaby. What inspired you to do the Billy Joel song? I've always loved that song, and I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. You know, Billy Joel and I were in we were in rival bands when I was on Long Island. I was, he was in a band called The Hassles, and I was in a band called The Best of Both Worlds, and so it was always a competition to see who would... You know, get to play at the school dances. It wasn't much of a competition if he was booked, then we got the job. But I, so I've always been a big fan of his songwriting. And, and when my daughter, who's now 17, when she was just a baby, that's the song we used to use to, to put her to sleep. So it, it held a special place for me. Our special guest is John Tesh. You're also a songwriter. Who are your biggest songwriting influences? Well, I mean, I think they're, it's sort of strange. I mean, first of all, I, I studied so much classical music as a kid that if I'm trying to write something new, I will listen to classical music all day because those melodies are always... It's also a great way to, to come up with ideas for film scores, but those are those uh, pieces, whether it's a Rachmaninoff piece or a Stravinsky piece or even Beethoven, they'll always you know clean you out a little bit and give you inspiration to, to write something. But, but I really... I, I mean, it, during my songwriting years... It was really uh, uh, the progressive rock bands like Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and especially Jethro Tull. I, I really like that complicated music. I like the complicated time signatures. And if you go back and look at some of my early sports themes, like the Tour de France and Tour de France, the early years, there's a lot of that stuff. You can hear those influences in there with you know, sort of contrapuntal treatments and and also you know all of the uh, you know, odd instruments like a. Uh, like a violin playing in unison with electric violin playing in unison with with a saxophone. So, you know those guys, and, and they end up becoming friends of mine. John, John Anderson and and Emerson and and Chris Squire. Yeah, after doing so many interviews with those guys, uh, I was really able to sort of deconstruct what they were doing back in the day. And 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 the number one thing for those guys is that they're just monster musicians. 
and that always informed their songwriting. One of the tracks on the John Tesh Big Band album is the song Barcelona. How did that composition come about? This is the, really the way I, I function best, and, and this is what I did with the Big Band record, too, is, is I, I like getting a, a whiteboard out and, and writing down on that board the, uh, the release date on the record. <laughs> That's the first thing I'll, I'll do. And then I'll, I'll start writing down songs that I want to record or ideas for songs. And that, that's what happened with Barcelona, where in the 1992 Olympics, I knew that I was going to be one of the hosts, and they said, would you like to contribute a piece of music to it? So what I did was I, I got video, VHS back then, video of all of previous Olympic games, and just sort of uh, kept it on in my studio all the time while I was playing piano and, and watched, the, um, watched that footage, especially of, of uh, ski racing and track and field and, and the, 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 the quicker events. And so that the tempo of that song, which is I guess about a 135, and uh, and the movement in it is it, it really you, could, you can pretty much put any piece of Olympic video on there, and it'll it'll work for Barcelona. In fact, there are there are quite a few uh, figure skaters from the United States and also from from Russia who have who have used the song to skate to. So it was really just inspired by by watching so much Olympic footage. Our special guest is John Tesh. He's talking about his album John Tesh. Big band. Tell us your recollections of writing the song "Give Me Forever I Do." Yeah, that that song was. I have an old friend uh, in Carter Cathcart, who is this great songwriter. He lives in New Jersey now, and we were in New York together, and we used to get together at least once a week and bang out ideas. And that was a song that existed in a different form that he had written. And then he and I, and a guy named Junie Morrison, and also James Ingram. Got together and we we started coming up with a you know with a different way to approach the song. Wrote a, wrote a second verse to it, but we really were, we were look we were and that's another one of those you know appointment situations that you know like you know, like writing for a Broadway show or something. We we wanted to write the ultimate wedding song, and it ended up being my wedding song uh, 20 years ago. And I like you know you if you stick me in a room with somebody and, and I'm contributing my ideas and for example James is contributing his, I'll I'll always end up writing something and. In in six eight, I, I love the Waltz Temple, and that's where that song comes from. And, and, the, and the, the whole the whole idea was that it would be, you know, a husband and wife dancing at the first dance at their wedding. There's another song on there that you wrote, Spanish Steps. What inspired that song? Well, I was I, I live in an Italian family. I am not Italian, but everybody else is in my family, and we live in an Italian lifestyle. Lots of great cooking and lots of family around and. We travel to to Rome and to the Amalfi Coast quite a bit, and so I was looking for a, a song for the Avalon record. And when I was late night, it must have been like midnight in Rome, and there's this place called the Spanish Steps, and it, they are steps, and there are always kids there with you know their acoustic guitars and their flutes and saxes, and they're all sort of and singing, and they're all collaborating with each other. Usually, you know, usually students that are on a you know a, on a trip, student trip. And there's just an amazing amount, a cacophonous amount of, of music, and there's also dancers that you know, they're flamenco dancers, whatever they're, you know, that are there. So this song was really a tribute to that, and I wanted to put some of my original songs on there, but wasn't sure, you know, what to do. And so I, when we picked Barcelona and Spanish Steps, we thought, you know, let me let me just see what the arranger can do with this. And I know it's not it, those songs don't really swing, but it's fun to hear the horns play on those. Our special guest is John Tesh. I want you to tell us about your experiences with Yanni. 
At one point, you had joined his band. What did you take away from that experience? Yanni is, he and I met when I was working for CBS Sports as a composer, and I was writing music as fast as I could, and, and then we were using some songs from Mannheim Steamroller and also from the Yanni Keys to Imagination, which is, if you don't have that record, it's an amazing record. It's all, an all-synthesizer orchestral record. And so I said, you know, hey, why, why don't I just go see this guy? And, and, and we became fast friends and ended up playing volleyball every Sunday together and, you know, hanging out until he ended up moving to, uh, to Florida. But he was trying to put together his first band. I mean, he played in a band for, you know, for years, but his first band to tour with these, you know, these new album releases. And so there he's, he's running around, he's auditioning this person and that person and this person. And I said, I said, hey, and I was working in entertainment tonight at the time. I said, hey, I'll be your keyboard, your second keyboard player if you want. He goes, really? You would play behind me? You would play behind me, John? And I said, sure, absolutely. And I said, can we play one of my songs? And he said, sure. So it was fun. We went out for it. It was only like six or seven shows. It was great because it's, it's challenging to play, especially, especially his, you know, his music is, there are a lot of parts. So he, he writes music orchestrally. So if you're, if you're the second keyboard in that band, you're playing oboe, and, you're, and this was before you know all the or, or, all of his or, orchestral days. But you're playing oboe, you're playing cello, and you're playing maybe tuba, and, and then you're maybe playing some you know percussion. So you've got like six or seven synthesizers that are all wired together. And his band doesn't read music, and 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 I do. So I was I, the only way for me to get through it was to chart it all out because I could not memorize all that stuff. It was crazy you know, to try and you know, do it so quickly. I learned a lot about orchestration from him. And he's a he's a great performer. You know, he's very very dramatic, and and so it's you know it's fun to see the the audience and enjoy that. Speaking of Yanni, what musicians have you recorded with, or performed with, that you were the most excited about? A couple of guys. I mean, Chad Wackerman is a drummer who probably you know outside of the jazz world and pop world, he probably toils away in anonymity, but he used to be. Frank Zappa's drummer, and he toured with us for a couple of years, and and he's a pretty amazing drummer. You know, our drummer now is a guy named Nate Wood, who even blows him away. So we're connected to some of the best musicians in the in the world, and and they're they're so nice to come out and and play with me. Probably the best pure performer entertainer that I've ever worked with would be uh, James Ingram. He's you know he's sang he's won all kinds of Grammys and sang on Quincy Jones's album called The Dude. And, you know, he's the, you know, just once and he's the voice on Give Me Forever. And, you know, going to the studio with him, normally what you do with a vocalist is you'll, you know, you'll sing a song, you know, like maybe 20 times over a two day period. And then you just pick the, the parts, the, the part of this verse and the part of that verse and, and you join it all together. <laughs> James comes in and he sings once and it's perfect. I mean, perfect. It couldn't have been any better. And so we're like, okay, we're done. And he goes, no, 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 let me do some more. So he sang that song five times. And we spent the rest of the day, another five hours of the day, trying to figure out which take to use. That's just the, an example of what, you know, what it's like, first of all, to have pure talent. But you know, he learned everything he learned from Quincy Jones because he'd spent so much time in the studio with him and also you know, co-writing songs with, with Michael Jackson. At that level, working with somebody like that is pretty amazing. Our special guest is John Tesh. You have your own syndicated radio program and a career in television. What attracts you to communicating with the masses? I think that, you know, at the, at the baby boomer level, you really want to be relevant. And, and that's why you'll see so many baby boomers who will, who will not fade away, who will not end up retiring. 
And so what the radio show gives me is an opportunity to be relevant you know, during the week and, and to be on the air for five hours a day talking to people and speaking into their lives, connecting them to really good information. We, we think of ourselves as curators on the Intelligence Fair Live show. And then on the weekends, I get to go out and do, and do what really for most boomers would be, would be a dream job, and that is to play live. It's a great combination for me. What is the best thing about being John Tesh? Ah, <laughs> being made fun of. I, I enjoy that, and people are pretty good at it. If you want to see the ultimate send-up of me, then just Google the words, uh, when Tesh's attack. That is a, a spoof that, uh, on the animal planet that Conan O'Brien did years ago, and it is it's pretty funny. I, I enjoy being it. I mean, if, if, it, if there's good writing and there's, you know, there's some effort that was put into it, I enjoy being a part of any spoofs on me. You know, it's, you know, when, when people are, you know, tweet, you know, hey, John Tesh sucks, you know, it's like, oh, thanks, that was, that's terrific, nice job. <laughs> it's like, put a little more into it, will you? I've been spoofed by the best. Uh, if you look at my life and, and you look at the opportunities I, I have and you look at the, some of the screw ups that I've made and you look at, have a really good look at me and a really good look at my wife, that's when you would probably would learn to realize that there's a God <laughs> because I've been given so many opportunities and so and I have I'm I am of average intelligence, I am of average talent. But I think that that is the true blessing. You know, when kids get blessed with too much talent, too much popularity, too much beauty and too much money, they end up turning out like crap. And there's a reason for that is that we just don't fight for our lives. And in my I've sort of for most of my life I've felt like Sisyphus, you know, pushing the rock up the hill. I mean, there have been some great plateaus up that hill, but but I think that when, you, when you're encouraged to do hard work, then great things end up happening for you. Do you have any parting words for anyone listening out there? I mean, there's got to be somebody out there who is thinking, oh my gosh, I wish I'd learned how to play the piano, or how do I get a record deal, or the, the best way to figure that out is to find somebody who you truly admire. In fact, find three or four somebodies who you truly admire. Figure out what they did. Write it out in a journal. Set your goals and see how they work with, with that person's. And then go about the hard work and go about the risks that it takes to, to make that happen. And it'll never happen exactly the way you want it, want it to happen, but you, you will absolutely have a measure of success. You may, maybe you're not, you know, maybe you're not a concert pianist, but maybe you end up in a music therapy course, and you're saving people's lives by, you know, encouraging them uh, in a senior home or something, or, or, uh, you know, maybe you end up going to Africa to to, uh, to teach trumpet lessons or something. I mean, it could be anything. But I would recommend the book to everybody, and that book is called Focus. It's by Al Reese, and it's a it, it shows how people through the years have focused their lives and become wildly successful, and it shows how companies that were unfocused ended up destroying their business. Hard work, risk, prayer, focus, and the number one thing is just hard work. John Tesh, it has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much. My pleasure, and it's great therapy for me. Goodbye.